0: How do you define retirement success? Now, I'm dealing with clients. A lot of times we're talking about, do I have enough assets to last the rest of my life? But that's only a part of the picture. We also got to define retirement success as satisfaction. How happy am I? Is there meaning in my life? Am I excited? Am I fulfilled? And the reason I'm really making this point and trying to drive this home today Is because I've seen people and I've seen multiple people over the years with plenty of money that are miserable or they're unhappy. And by that definition, I don't consider that a successful retirement. So there's two parts there's a financial and there's a non financial. So I'm really excited today to have our guest expert, Robert Laura, who is president and CEO of the Retirement Coaches Association. And he's going to talk to us about what are some of those other conversations beyond the numbers that we need to be having to make sure we're planning for a successful, fulfilling, and meaningful retirement. Also have some great topics in the news, where seniors are living now and how coronavirus has changed that. A lot of good stuff. Really excited about today's show. But I need to, before we go forward and talk about all the complicated
1: things that come up with retirement planning, need to bring in my co-host, Carl. How's it going, Carl? Oh, Bo, it's good. I'm just so excited to actually make it to episode two you know, I've, I've had quite a few jobs in my life, and sometimes I don't get the call back after day one. I was so gonna say, I, you
0: don't usually make it to the second day? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I'm, I've made it to the second day, and so I'm excited, you know. And and for me, some of my previous jobs, like you just talked about, had been complicated. They were complex jobs.
0: Well, I would love to hear that. I've heard a little bit about some of your background. But it's that You keep surprising me with all the things you've done and all the things you've experienced, so—
1: yeah, when I think about complex jobs, I think of—I I was actually hired at a chocolate conglomerate one time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you've heard of M&M's? Yeah, the Mars company. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know who owns them, but I was hired, <laughs> and I was put on the line for the M&M quality control line.
0: Okay, so I'm guessing what would happen is if you had a broken M&M or a misshaping M&M, you're supposed to point that out.
1: Yeah, if you've seen the old, like, I Love Lucy episode, it still kind of happens like that. It comes down the conveyor belt, and then they've got somebody well-trained, super educated, you know, really professional, like me, to check on those M&Ms. And sometimes, yeah, they were a little wonky shaped. Maybe they come out like an oval. Sometimes they come out, you know, with the shells kind of broken off. So they're defective. But delicious, but I I can't let them go past me. I got I got to take that off the line.
0: Okay, so so what you're saying, if I'm getting this right, you were actually, if you saw that defective M M&M, and M, you were going ahead, you were saving the trouble of them having to dispose of it.
1: So you were just eating it. Yeah. Are you for legal say- for legal reasons, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what I did with the M and Ms, but they didn't make it to the end of the line okay. and into a bag and to the consumer. I was making sure that the consumer only got a perfect M M&M. and M. But I was really good at my job. Though.
0: Okay.
1: Now, again, I didn't make it to the second day of that job. But for the one day, I was the most efficient compliance person they'd ever had because I noticed something that nobody else on the job had ever noticed. What's that? And and it may, it may not be at all m M&M m factories, may not have been on all lines. But on the one that I was on, they kept on coming out with W's. So I made sure, no, not on my shift. Carl. <laughs> Carl, No. Well, I wasn't going to let it pass. Hold up, hold up.
0: You realize a W is just an upside-down M, right? Wait, wait, what? Yeah, it's just you turn it over, and it's an M. So you were pulling off the upside-down M's, basically.
1: No, I mean, you still don't want a W in your bag when you buy it at your grocery store. Like, I okay. wait, what? Okay, Carl,
0: how long did that job last?
1: Was that the— Yeah, it was, yeah, it was one day. Like, wait, what?
0: Hold on. So it, an, an here, let me draw it. Look.
1: See the sound? Yeah. Okay, let me turn it around. W. Oh, no. That job was delicious. <laughs> I can't believe I messed I was today years old when I realized an upside down W is an... Oh, man. I loved that job. Yeah, they definitely asked me to leave the premises <laughs> after I was done with my shift. You live and learn. Right? You do. You do. It's complicated.
0: Well, as interesting as that is, Carl, I think it's time for In the News. We're in the news. Kaiser Health News says the coronavirus is prompting a lot of retirees to reconsider where they want to live. Now, an example would be someone who planned to moving into more of a group setting now are thinking, maybe it might be safer just to stay in my current house instead. So what's fascinating to me, Carl, with this is is the trend is shifted by something no one saw coming.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I know just right down the street here from Rose Creek, there went up a couple of these communities for people to downsize and move in together and have some community events. And then they'd come over here to the community center to come play pickleball or go to yoga. So what you're saying now is they don't want to do that maybe because they're afraid of getting into larger groups of people in the same age range?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was the trend going towards more age-based communities like you're talking about, maybe less upkeep, more of an active adult community, and even assisted living. Very similar to where you could have a lot of activities and closer quarters, and maybe a shift saying, well, hey, with everything going on, with the new kind of world we're living in and what we know today, maybe we just stay where we are. And I even had an example someone come in. I thought this was interesting. They said, you know what? If I can't go out and be as social and, and do things with friends out, out there as much as I, I would like or had planned, I'm just going to actually move and build a bigger house. So I, if I want to be home and I, and I want to be comfortable, I want to be able to entertain at home. So it's just fascinating. I thought it was interesting just to see how something outside of our control, like COVID-19, can completely change our plans and our outlook and the way we kind of navigate this, this housing scenario.
1: Yeah. So hold on, just put a pin in that. Going back to the person who said they were biging, building a bigger house. Um, do you know if it comes with like a mother-in-law suite or a basement?
0: It could, it very well could. It could be a mother-in-law suite, could be a closed basement. I, mean, I don't know.
1: No, but is there, is there any way for you to find out? Cause I'm looking for a place. And so like my lane tends to be basement, mother-in-law suite. That's kind of my lane. I like to be the, you know, the king of my own castle, but like over a garage. That's kind of my my, <laughs> my go-to kind of living situation. Well,
0: I, I, this this example specifically, this is a national publication. So oh, okay. This the, wasn't a friend of yours. I don't have the contact, but hey, it's something you could maybe put some feelers out.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful. So, I saw uh, in Newsday, actually, something that's also concerning in a different direction is that they said that planning needs to continue after we stop working. Like, so we're already thinking and planning for retirement, but Bo, I'm confused now. They're saying I got to keep on planning and think I'm barely thinking right now about retirement. But even after I retire from my 12 part-time jobs, you're telling me I got to keep on thinking about retirement. That's right. You know, it's, it's an
0: ongoing process and really we're going to need to be dealing with our finances and our retirement strategy. It's really for the rest of your life. Now, it doesn't have to be daunting because if it's set up, it can be something that's easier to maintain, but I think we, we spend all this time getting prepared for retirement. We talk about that a lot on the show, but a couple of things we need to keep on the burner once we do retire is we need to pay attention, okay, if I get to retirement and I still have these large buckets or these large accounts that are pre-tax money, such as 401ks and IRAs, that's where a lot of people accumulate their retirement assets are there opportunities for us to transition or convert those assets to a Roth IRA? And what happens when I when I can convert from a traditional IRA or a 401k to a Roth IRA, I'm paying tax now, but it will be protected from future tax increases, could potentially lower the taxes I pay on my social security, and it could also protect me from money that I'm forced to take out of those accounts when I reach 72 years old. So pay attention to the buckets and is there any room or any shifting that makes sense and needs to be done to protect yourself from taxes.
1: Man, I'm I'm glad we got Robert Laura coming on the uh on the podcast today cuz I'm going to need some coaching through that. That's that's some daunting, overwhelming stuff if I'm just being real honest. Now, the other thing that's daunting that we see in the headlines is a lot of people are coming into their retirement years single. So whether this is because a spouse has passed away or because they've gone through a divorce or maybe they just hadn't gotten married, they're coming into their um, retirement single. And uh, I was recently on five 5starseniorliving.com It's bookmarked on my uh, browser. Go there every day, check out what's going on. And they actually gave four great tips for people who are coming into retirement looking to date in these retirement years. Huh.
0: Now, that's fascinating, Carl, that, that the idea of dating, because one of the things that comes up in a lot of conversations, is, hey, I'm there. Maybe I'm widowed. Maybe I've always been single. Maybe I'm divorced. Things happen. Things change and, and and things shift in this phase of life. And a lot of people are still looking for a lot of that lifestyle stuff we talked about with Bob. Hey, I'm still looking for this fulfilling, meaningful life. And for a lot of people, it means finding that partner, that person to do it with.
1: Yeah. And for some people like me, you know, a beau, I'm still like single, you know, maybe you just got too much game. Like you're too good at the dating scene. You don't go on many dates, but you know, like you just put off an energy that's maybe intimidating. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. The, it's overwhelming. That word. the magnetism <laughs> that I have, I think is off-putting to be. So I, I thought some of these were great pieces of advice. So here are four things you can do if you're, you're single and looking to date in retirement. One is to volunteer. So, and what's really fascinating is you can do all of these things here at Rose Creek. Older adults who volunteer, it says, uh, their time reaped many rewards, one from lower rate of depression to a longer lifespan. It's good for your mental and physical well-being. Um, the second thing that they say is join a fitness club. Many fitness clubs, like the one here at the community center, have programs designed for older adults, uh, like water aerobics, indoor walking groups, and uh, weight training to help you age well while expanding the social network. Other people are around in those fitness groups. The third thing we can do is to take a class. We continue learning, just like you can here at Rose Creek. You can do that by uh, doing a watercolor class, you know, painting, or learn a foreign language, or even learn how to play an instrument. Bo, do you, you play an instrument? You know, I've played around, um, I was pretty good at an Indian flute. Wow.
0: You know, that really pretty. Yeah. Melodic. Yeah. And I, I can no, make it sound. I, who, kind
1: who,
2: who,
1: of wind, wispy sounding. Yeah, just, just like that. <laughs> But this says if you learn an instrument, you'll make new friends. Bo, well, you ever made a friend playing the Indian flute? <laughs> is that, is that, I don't, I don't. Maybe you know I didn't do like a
0: group class,
1: but yeah. I could see where that would some, bring up. Okay, it. I think maybe you'll have more luck with this fourth tip. The fourth tip is to join a community center. Uh, there we and go again. You know, Ro-
0: Rose Creek. Community that's right. Center.
1: Great plug here because normally they offer programs and activities from luncheons to yoga, my favorite. Yep backup yoga instructor right here. And sometimes they even offer offer transportation for the older adults who don't want to drive anymore. So these are some great tips, I think, from the mailbag or from the in the news for us to understand how to date in your senior years.
0: Well, you know what I like about some of those, Carl, whether it's it's the taking the class, because that's, that's actively learning and growing and working on if you're meeting people relationships. Doing the fitness club, that's working on your physical health. You know, we call that your primary asset because that's the one asset that if we lose, we'd spend every penny we had to try to get it back. So if we can take care of that and work on relationships. So I like i like some of these ideas because it is pursuing that relationship or that other person in our life that we might be looking for. But it's also doing healthy, other growth-oriented things that are going to be beneficial overall.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think that's all the time we have for In the News. Stick around. We'll be right back with... Bose interview with Robert Laura. We are in for a
0: treat. This is a good friend of mine, and he's a pioneer in his field of retirement coaching. And what I think you're going to see over the next few years is that somebody saying they have a retirement coach is just as normal as somebody is telling you they have a personal trainer to help them with their health goals. I'm speaking about Robert Laura, he's the CEO of, of the Retirement Coaches Association. He's a regular contributor to Forbes magazine. You're going to see articles about him talking about successfully navigating retirement there. And he really is a consumer advocate, meaning he is really he's he's an advisor by trade, a financial advisor, but it's become a real big passion and mission for him to get these coaching skills to have these conversations about what it truly means to be successful in retirement. So without further ado, Let's check in with our friend, Robert Laura. How you doing, Bob? Great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So when you heard my introduction, founder of the Retirement Coaches Association, that's fascinating to me, but I want to let us know what was the impetus or what was the motivation in coming up with a Retirement Coaching Association?
2: Well, you know, and you know this too, over the years of working with people financially, um, you see that people are saving, they're ready, they're ready to transition, but they're not ready for the psychology part of it. They're not ready to replace their work identity, fill their time. And no matter how much money you have, if you don't have a way to fix those things or at least address them, you'll fall flat on your face and waste, you know, the first and best years. And so, there was a lot of momentum in the area and people really getting their arms around it. You yourself, uh, both of us kind of early adapters, but nobody had taken the time to organize and I just got frustrated by it and decided to do it myself.
0: Well, and that's one of the same things I I found out there There is there's a lot of information from a lot of places. A lot of it's conflicting. But what I found, Bob, is a lot of it's dealing with the issues that aren't really the main issues that are going to help retirees live that successful retirement life. Are, are there any differences you've seen in maybe this definition of an old retirement or what people have as a perceived what retirement is and what it actually
2: is? Yeah, I think there's a <laughs> it's it's the changing dynamic, and again, even people say retirement is changing. No, it's not changing. It already has changed. The, the, the train has left the station. So I think there's a couple of things. You know, a lot of people talked about it being a financial event. You've even heard of people talk about. Um, It's a journey now, or you have to, you know, retire to something. But it's much more than that. And I like to say the new word for retirement is actually retirements. You know, it's plural. That you're just not going to retire from one role or one situation. It's very likely there could be multiple roles, and even not just work roles. You could retire from being a a parent or a grandparent just based on empty nest syndrome or or different situations. And so, it's a lot of things that that play out. And And I also think it's important, just with regard to you know, the old and the new retirement, it's so common to hear people say, you have to retire to something. What you actually need to do is retire with something. The best way to make a successful transition to retirement isn't to develop new stuff, but to already have stuff to take with you.
0: Got it. No, huge shift, huge, huge transition. And one of the biggest things I've seen is this, this, uh, perception. I saw just when I was starting in this business of people kind of thinking, okay, I've done my best work. My best years are behind me. Now I'm going to wind it down to, you know what? I might have 30 years, 30 plus years to do something and I'm still pretty healthy. And do I just, what do I do with myself? So, so it's a, a totally a new, new identity in a lot of cases, Right. But one of the things I wanted to talk about while we had you on the show, Bob, was this idea, you know, in a financial planning context, which we both have a background there, when we're talking about um, leaving a legacy for our beneficiaries, we're talking about successfully passing on assets. How do we most efficiently and effectively pass on assets? But let's, let's dig a little deeper. And, and this is almost more of a coaching context of what about legacy when it comes to non-financial aspects?
2: Well, so I was a trust officer for about eight years. So I worked in the trenches of estate planning. And, you know, no matter how much you know about it or what documentation you put in place to pass on money to future generations or heirs, it won't matter if you don't pass on your family values, your beliefs, the things that are important to you. Um, One of the things I like to say is that Passing on wealth won't always ensure wisdom. It doesn't, wealth doesn't create wisdom. But passing on wisdom gives a, an heir, a beneficiary, the opportunity to um, develop wealth or at least maintain the wealth. And I think the other, it's no different how I feel about retirement planning. Retirement planning is backwards. Why should you focus on the money, get there, and then try to figure out the person? Well, same scenario with estate planning. Why worry about the techniques and strategies if you don't understand the people and the situations involved? Because as a trust officer, when there wasn't family communication, there was a breakdown and there was constant problems.
0: You know, and that, that's fascinating to me because money, money can be very temporary. And we see that when money's um, inherited or it comes in in a lump sum, it can go real fast, right? But a lesson or a story or something that could serve us well can last forever. Uh, well, but I'm
2: sorry. I, I just think it's one of those things of, you know, because, you know, the other kind of cliche thing is, do you know your great grandparents, the four of them, their names? Right. Uh, where they came from, what they stood for, because that's really what evolved into to you. And so I think as part of the non-financial legacy planning, it's recognizing our family, um, our heritage, our, our beliefs and our values um, and not just kind of just a few lessons or things, but really connecting all those dots, because again, when you position someone to feel good about where they're at and what they're doing, they're much more likely to be successful. When we talk about these things like th- these values, these,
0: these um, lessons that we have, it sounds good, right? Uh, but what are some tactical things, or maybe practical things, we can do to actually start passing forward what I'm call what I call true wealth? The true wealth are these things. How right. can we pass this forward um, so it so it
2: goes beyond just being a good idea? <laughs> well, you got to write it down. I mean, everyone knows the benefits of writing these things down. And I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But we created a program called Legacy Notebook, where there's got to be a process that you have to go through. You know, and, and taking the time to identify. Why am I writing this? Who am I writing this to? Um, what do I hope you know I can share with future generations? What are, they, what are things that they know or want to know about me? How and why did I make decisions in these situations? How can I help them make future decisions? So it's really about in, in my preferred way is through a workshop, like a guided process that truly allows you to start to write this stuff down. and it's not a, hey, you know I've got two hours let me sit down and knock this out. It really is an evolution because everyone starts at a different point. It's not always easy to kind of write this letter that you may have to start with the third question to really catch fire before you can process some of these other pieces. But it's really just about committing and taking the time. And again, the beautiful thing about it is it really, when you start to think about these things, it, it brings something alive in you. And so, especially for people transitioning to retirement, it can really... Recharge them and give them some valuable direction well, and a question
0: I think of when i when I think of this this kind of idea uh, it might be as simple as just stepping back and saying, "You know what, when I reflect on who I am, what I'm about, what are the two or three things that if I could go into the future a hundred years and look back that I saw that I passed on yeah. it, it might be just some some exercises like that, um, or at least a starting point to start. Letting your mind turn, and you're and you're right I've heard you refer to this in the past as a celebration, but it truly can be um if you're reflecting on your life, realizing, okay, these are the things I've accumulated, so to speak, that are valuable over the course of my life
2: i and that's that's I think the I think it's the hardest part for people is there's a, there's kind of you get hit with these little nuggets of ideas or these questions that you should go through, and that's why. We encourage that full process because even again, one of the things that we talk about, you know, encourage people to write down is, you know, who are three or five people that really had a big impact in your life? And, you know, to think about, gosh, who's really helped mentor me and, you know, who's really, you know, been there by my side at tough times. And then the nice thing is, is not just to end it there about writing it down, but to reach out to them. Nobody's ever mad. I, I, well, I'm sure you would not be mad if I reached out to you and said, Oh, when I was on your show, this happened. All You, you were a big inspiration. For, like, no one's going to be mad if you reach out to someone and say, Hey, you were an important part of my life, and I just wanted to acknowledge you for that. So, there's tools like that inside the, uh, the process that really can really change and strengthen relationships for people. And, Bob, you know, I've seen
0: some things that I thought were fascinating where people went as far is they got a hold of this idea that we're discussing today about really thinking about your legacy and realizing that's that's true wealth and that's something that you have to pass on that's more valuable than assets or cash. And uh, they, they, they've they gone as far as like video documenting yeah. things, video documenting stories, video documenting um, memories of family members. I think that is so, imagine imagine if we, we all had that of say our parents or grandparents that aren't with us anymore, um, you know, stories they remember that, you know, at some point we might not remember those stories or we might not be around to tell them. Uh, so I just think it's a huge, you think about that, you think about legacy
2: the, um, as a, by definition of what you leave behind, what could be more powerful to your loved ones? And the other, that's why um, our program, it's, for, it's it's beta testing for free. So um, you can turn it into a PDF. So you literally press a button, it becomes a PDF. And, and again, it, it's interesting because even as I've gone through the program with, some people who are very private. Um, I've had several people say that, well, I don't really share stuff like that. I'm a very private person. But as they continue to dig into it and go through it, they really want to be able to pass on who they are, um, and it's transformative to see people kind of come to terms with that. And then it's not a dead document, you know, meaning it's it's alive, and so you can adapt and adjust to it. But it also shouldn't be saved for death, you know. That's just the opportunity now is to, you know, start to share it with family and friends. One lady in particular was talking about the first time she got a two-wheel bike and mm-hmm. then her dad took her out for tea and cakes, which is funny to me because I've never heard anyone say a two-wheel bike in tea. And <laughs> but again, those are those are conversations that she could have with her grandkids and her uh, her great grandkids to really give them a glimpse of what life was like for her when they were her age. You no, know, it's it's so powerful. And and I'm I'm a believer, Bob, that this this component, this could be a couple
0: pages on a on a Word doc. It it, it could be something easy. It's just something thought through. I believe this should be part of every in everybody's retirement planning binder. This should be a component that when we go, let's not only uh, um, review our statements to make sure our financials are on track, are we on track for, the, for our goals for the future, for the legacy we want to leave? Uh, because those are the kind of things that create meaning and fulfillment. And at the end of the day, one thing I've learned the longer I do this work that's what people are really looking for. Meaning. Well,
2: it's why we connect, why we do what we do is we know that, I mean, I, we can, you can be in any kind of a swelled, split, AB trust, a Q-tip, anything that you want, a quadro, if you're going through a family, there's any number of things you could be in, but they aren't really mad. At it. And I think, um, I think one of the most powerful, I did an interview with Pastor Rick Warren and he had said that he had been by thousands of bedsides of, you know, people who were ill and. Nobody asks for their will or their trust or their right. account statements. They asked to be around family and friends. And so it's really, it's, that's the problem. It's what we're trying to fix with the traditional planning processes. It's focused on so many of the wrong pieces. I think Walt Disney said it best when your values are clear, your decisions are easy. And that's what this process is about. So that's something I can share with our listeners, Bob, is ask your financial
0: advisor, what is his process for your legacy plan. And then go a question further, say, I'm talking about my non-financial legacy plan. <laughs> and probably nine times out of 10 or more, you're going to get a blank look. But if, if, if you're looking for, for that kind of thing that I think is really just going to complete your overall strategy, Bob, you've got the, 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 the program here that people can check out for free.
2: Yep. So you can log in. And again, it's a live document. So you log in, it's your stuff, it's private, you can print the stuff out. And, and again, it, it, it's a process. And I would even encourage people to just to print out the questions and kind of reminisce and kind of reflect on them before you go in there. And But it's a great opportunity, especially at different points in holidays or, you know, you get together for a barbecue or whatever you may do to bring something out, let people see it because it's a ton of fun. Well, Bob, I thank you so much. I always love having you on the show because I consider you
0: uh, a mentor and another pioneer in this field of retirement coaching and getting the right information for retirement planning for people that desperately need this information. So one, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing the Legacy Notebook. And I encourage everyone listening, go to LegacyNotebook.org. And, and carve out just a little bit of time to think about those things. I promise you, I, I've never had somebody say it wasn't a valuable experience that actually took the time to do it. And really what I want to do next time uh, we have Bob on the show, we're going to talk about a little bit different topic. We're going to talk about the role. What is the role or where, where does grief fit into retirement? It might sound a little odd, but we're going to dig into it. And it's an important thing to cover. So again, as we leave you today on this episode of The Retirement Resource... Just want to leave you maybe with a couple of questions. Uh, one, what is the legacy you would like to leave that when you look back, you saw that you passed on to the people that were important to you and hopefully see them pass it on too. So we encourage you to live a meaningful life, live a life that, that leaves a legacy and that can, that's the most meaningful and fulfilling life you can live.
1: man, I cannot say it enough. I just love this song. It's hard to listen to this song and not feel good. And I also feel good because I know when I hear this song, it's time for In the Mailbag. All right, Bo, so as I'm reaching into the mailbag this week, the thing that kept on coming back, and actually, after listening uh, to Robert Laura, it's the question that I would have. How do I pick out an advisor? How do I know who is the right person and what are the right questions to ask? Because I'm putting a lot of faith in this person. Now, you know, somebody might not have access to a Robert Laura or they, like me, I have access to you. I know that, you know, when I signed on to the, to be the co-host of the show, I get all this free financial advising and planning help from you.
0: Um, did we,
1: I don't know where that idea came from, Carl. I, it was on like, well, you didn't, you didn't give me a, like an official offer letter, but like I drafted one and just, Kind of assumed that that was okay. Oh,
0: okay. We'll talk about that after the show.
1: Okay, okay. So, so what's then, the question?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so then maybe I need this, like our listeners do. How do I know <laughs> that I've got the right financial advisor? What are the questions I need to be asking? Yeah. So I think you, you tied in. We had a
0: great conversation with Bob Laura today talking about retirement coaching, and we need to first segment that out. There is a role as a as a financial advisor, a retirement advisor which um is is dealing with a lot of the actual financial aspects of a successful retirement and then a retirement coach is having those those co- those conversations about hey what do we need to design that ideal retirement to look like where are you going to spend your time who are you going to do it with making sure that it's satisfying meaningful and fulfilling retirement that's that's more the retirement coaching it's it's a couple different conversations so you can either have a team that's a, a financial advisor and a retirement coach and you're going to see more and more they're working together. And I think that's part of Bob's mission is is that in a few years down the road, there's a retirement coach in every financial planning office in the country. So so that we're really getting both sides of that picture. Or uh, so you can have either, you can have each side and, or them working together. Or like our firm here in Gainesville or in Atlanta, uh, we're kind of hybrid, meaning uh, we have the skill set of both financial advisors and we've gone through the process of becoming retirement coaches too. So there could be hybrid advisors that have both sides of that, that coin. It doesn't matter which you which side you go with. We just want to make sure you're having both conversations, the financial and the non-financial. So what, what are the questions? Right? You ask, what are the questions? I think on the financial side, or you just want to start thinking about, uh, I think the place I start is asking a good question is, how many years have you been doing this? What is your experience? Because mm. one of the things I found on the the financial planning side, there's over a 90% failure rate in this business. So somebody that's not doing the right things or doing business the right way, they're probably not going to be around 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. So that's a good clue. And then, of course, um, ask or look for people. Be great if it's people you know because you know they're shooting you straight. But ask for references. Ask around. See uh, somebody, in, especially if they're in your town, their reputation will often precede them yeah. if they're doing the right thing and a good thing. So ask around credentials, I think, are great, meaning um, you got CFP, RICP, CHFC. There's a lot of designations, and where I think those are good, Carl, is they show that the advisor took additional training to be better educated to serve, but on their own, the experience to me outweighs them, meaning I could come out of college, pass a test, and have a designation, but that doesn't mean I've worked with that situation for 10 years.
1: Yeah, because you want somebody who's experience something in the real world. I mean, I know I don't have a ton of money to you know bring into my retirement, but I want to be able to trust that somebody else has handled both small and large accounts before and gives them both equal weight.
0: Yeah. And here's the deal. Wherever you're getting help and when you're building a team, if you're not a do-it-yourselfer where you're going to get, going to get the loan, you're going to pay some kind of expense. You're going to pay some kind of a fee. And fees are neutral. They're not good or bad as long as you. they could be good or bad but but you need the question i say is what is my fee and what does it pay for is mm-hmm. understanding what it pays for because it's very different if i'm being charged a, a fee for a computer generated model to allocate my assets versus if i'm paying a fee to have help with tax planning healthcare planning estate planning the coaching like bob talks about and then the income planning and diversification planning so we need to ask that question I understand I'm paying a fee because that's realistic, right? If you're going to work with somebody, they're making a living doing that. So they're going to get paid. Sure. But what is that? What am I paying for? Yeah. And is there enough value there for me to pay that fee? So I think that's a good question to ask. And then going along the, the retirement coaching conversations, this is a component uh, we talk about a lot, the non-financial aspects. I think when you ask your advisor, what do we do to address my lifestyle, my goals? what I'm doing in retirement, or you can even outright say the non-financial aspects of a successful retirement. That's good language. And if they look bewildered or they don't know what you're talking about, that might be a clue that's really not a holistic advisor. Sure. Just taking care of both sides. And you might need to bring a coach into the picture.
1: Yeah, because I've, you know, spent a little bit of time now, you know, after in episode two of our giant podcast worldwide now um, with some of your team as they've come and hung out over at Rose Creek. And what I love hearing about them is they want to know as much about me as a person as my portfolio in order to fully understand what it is that I'm looking for as I plan for my own retirement.
0: Well, here's the deal. And and a lot of the satisfaction of, of the work we do is if we can help somebody get clear on a life that absolutely lights them up in retirement, and we can help them move towards that and bring that to fruition, that's, that's the exciting part. You know, seeing the guy that had this dream to start a business in six years and then being there when that business launches or uh, somebody that told me, hey, I had this novel in me all my life and then seeing them retire and actually bring it to fruition. So why we love to focus on what, where are we going is because if we get a clear picture on what excites you and what's meaningful to you, you're much more likely to stick to the plan.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for In the Mailbag. Man, I love that in the mailbag section. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. I love it because it's questions from people wanting to know how to do this better. And for you listening right now, if you're going, hey, I want to be in the mailbag. I want to be the person whose question is asked. There's an easy way to do that. You can go to askbo.com. That's A-S-K-B-E-A-U.com.
0: Let me share something else, Carl, for just to let people know. The couple of questions we've read so far... We've gotten the information, and there's serious swag here. Yeah, if we yeah, read yeah. your question, we're going to send out Rich Life books. We have T-shirts. Oh, okay. I have some hats out there. So, if you're featured, your question's featured, um, we're going to get you some good stuff, too.
1: Yeah. So, you want to get in the mailbag. So, another way to do that is uh, if you prefer Facebook, you can go to facebook.com forward slash the retirement resource. So, love the questions. You guys keep those coming. Um, and I actually have to run here. Oh. Hold on. You see who's at the door? It's 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 Art? Art. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, I knew this was going to happen because did you see what happened this week? No, what? So I had come in and I didn't have my name badge. And I thought I was going to have to run back to, you know, my pad, the mother-in-law suite on the bike. All right. And Art waved me into the building without my name badge. He let you through without your badge? That's when I knew something was up. I knew something was up. What does he want? Exactly. So I went to the counter and he's like, hey, uh, Carl, can I get on the podcast again?
0: Oh, no. We created a monster.
1: We did because all the women heard his joke and were like, Art, we love this. You got to get back on the show. So he actually, he stopped me before I came in today. And he's been real cool. So, I mean, I think maybe this might be the end of the beef. Like, it'll probably go up and down. But at least for this week, he's been real cool because he wanted to come tell another joke.
0: Well, you know what I like about this, Carl? We actually have the power to create community center celebrities.
1: I know that's a lot of power to yield. So I
0: say, let him in. Let's do it one more time.
1: All right, all right, Chuck. All right, yeah, Art. I see you. Come on, go ahead. Come on in. All right, go ahead and tell your joke, Art. I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. (laughs) (laughs) Wow! (laughs) It just gets better and better. All right, all right. Thanks for the joke, man. I'll be out there in a second to help with the pickleball because I know Chuck Woolery's on his way. The the game
0: show host?
1: Yeah, Did the you love hit- connection. Love connection. Have you not heard about this? What's going on? So- see, I'm I'm out I'm out working all week. So so when I
0: don't see you guys, oh I that's miss right. A you're life. not
1: you're not in on the community center yeah. vibe. Yeah. So they've got their semi-annual pickleball tournament, which is already a big deal. People try and get their seat assignment like before just to watch the matches. But they decided they needed a line judge because it gets it gets pretty fierce. I've seen it get heated. Oh, I mean, people games. have thrown the paddleboard, the whole thing, and so they decided not only are they going to you know put on the pickleball tournament, they're going to have Chuck Woolery from you know game show host, famous of the Love Connection, come out and be one of the line judges. How in the world
0: did Rose Creek Community Center get Chuck Woolery to come up and, and host?
1: I think their their his first official fan club came out of here. So, oh. like, he kind of owes some of his fame back in the day to so,
0: the ladies. Okay, okay, so some of the game they come and watch the Love Connection. I can yeah, see that happening. Yeah,
1: so the ladies have already started lining up. So, I actually, I got a jet to go clean off some pickleballs and get to make sure I break up a fight between some of the ladies.
0: Well, sounds good. Hey, Carl, thanks again for joining us on the show. I always love learning about your your stories. I tell you, they're priceless. That's, that's what it's all about. And I want to thank Bob Laura. Thanks so much for sharing with us this mission and passion of yours to grow the role and the, the discipline of retirement coaching. We'll be here next week, same time, same place, right here at Rose Creek Community Center. I'm Bo Henderson, and we'll see you then. A retirement resource show is for entertainment purposes only. If you could call it entertainment, that car is the worst. The content represents the thoughts and opinions of Bo Henderson
1: and guests of the show. If I'm being honest, I really think I should be the (sighs) co-host. Before making any financial, tax, or legal decisions, consult with qualified professionals. Geez, that was a pain. I'm out.